Welcome back, folks. It's the latest edition of Back in the Pack, the podcast. I'm Steven. As always, alongside me is Will. And uh, Will, how's it going this evening? It's going well. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. We certainly do. <laughs> there's, There may be a considerable amount of ranting going on. Oh, there's going to be some ranting. Um, just uh, since we last podcasted, um, the ACC tournament has come and gone, so has Selection Sunday. And, shoot, we've even gotten into the NIT by now. Everything has just been a whirlwind lately, but, uh, you know, I think if we hit the hit the rewind button here for a minute, and I don't want to dwell on this all the entire time because it's no, too, no, no. too depressing, really. Yes. Uh, there, but there just was a few things about just kind of the whole way, the whole fashion in which uh, Selection Sunday played out and how the committee used the net that I did want to get onto a little bit that was, shall we say, confusing, frustrating. Yes. Um, I guess, number one, in the in the as we got closer and closer I kept talking myself into like a, a more solid position for, for NC State being in the field and as of course as it turned out that was not even remotely the case, despite yeah. NC State having beaten Clemson in the first round or in the first game of the ACC tournament. Um, apparently that did not move the needle for the selection committee whatsoever. Nope. Not at all. So that was in a little fact, surprising. Yeah, and in fact, they didn't even have uh, State in the first four out, which was equally surprising. Um, and, I, and I think this goes kind of into what you wanted to talk about with the net, because State's net ranking was in the 30s, but then they gave at-large bids to teams that were in the 60s and 70s. So what... To, to paraphrase Josh Goodson, what are what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I uh, that's really what I was holding on to basically, and one of the reasons that the projections could be a little bit all over the place this year is not just because the buzzle the bubble yes the buzzle the bubble the was buzzle. a little chaotic. Obviously, things were different. You had a some situations where teams were um, one game or two games over five hundred or in Texas's case right at right at 500 potentially being considered for the field so it was a it was a strange year in that sense but also nobody really knew how the committee was going to address uh, the new metric in net how they how would they approach it would it be similar to how they thought of the RPI would they kind of use it as gospel sort of so to speak in terms of how they seeded teams would they just kind of toss it aside entirely and and Right and just kind of go with more arbitrary tack and I think more or less that's kind of what we saw from the committee that was more mm -hmm. the answer which I, is frustrating um, I'll get to that um, but it's the thing that we heard from the selection committee on Sunday was that NC State did not get enough at the top end basically didn't have enough right. headlining wins there at the top of the resume and that's uh, that's not an inaccurate statement. I mean, they had uh, opportunities to get that, like the Virginia game in Raleigh. Um, you know, there's tons of, of highly ranked teams in the ACC, as we we're well aware. Um, the Auburn game turned out to be not as uh, 
earth shattering when we beat them as as we had hoped, even though they ended up winning the SEC tournament and ended up as a five seed in the field. Um, you know, Penn, Penn State was another example of a team that wasn't that good. Uh, it, it it's frustrating that the teams that State did schedule as potential tough opponents ended up having down years. When you factor that in with the the other non-conference teams that State played, it was it was a pretty poor schedule in terms of a ranking. But all of that was supposedly factored into the net as uh, Dr. Yao made note of many times in her public right. crusade, <laughs> uh, which you know I I love her for that. But uh, it's it's frustrating because. Uh, there were some teams that got in the field that had losing conference records, looking at you, Oklahoma, yeah. um, that, that that really had no business being in the field. And it, I, I, it's, it's hard this year because just in general, college basketball is pretty mediocre. Aside from like a handful of teams at the top, there's really not like – 64 68 like exceptional teams no, they had uh-uh. they had to fill it with teams somewhere and it's annoying that state wasn't one of them and uh you know there's you can look at this on both sides is was it the schedule that did it or was it the fact that they had dumb losses to wake forest and georgia tech i mean probably a little bit of both yeah, I mean, there's no question that the Georgia Tech game in particular was was pretty significantly painful from that front. Um, just a bad time of year to lose a game like that. But you know, I, they didn't really talk that much about the non-conference schedule, at least in the brief bit that they talked about NC State. Right. But I think it's clear, it's very very clear that if NC State was not even on their radar as one of the first four teams out of the field. Then it's it's pretty clear that they penalized NC State significantly for that strength of schedule rating, whether they wanted to yes. admit that or not. Um, yeah. I think I, one of the my main source of of concern, it, the the biggest thing going into the selection show was just that I felt like maybe the committee just might feel like NC State was was qualified, but also didn't want to answer questions about how a team could get in with that dead last strength of schedule ranking I just think feel like they didn't want that shitstorm didn't want to have to set some sort of you know non-stop explainer or potentially set a bad precedent moving forward for scheduling so I think all of that stuff fair or not played against NC State's case and just to see first of all I think it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that they were not even one of the first four teams out there I, I completely agree absolute nonsense over yep. just you just nuke a team for the fact that it's bottom you know five six non-conference schools ended up being really really terrible in some cases unexpectedly so yep um, it's just silly to me and to see uh, as well the thing that I don't understand is how those frontline wins that they talk about so much get weighted. It seems like they get weighted to a, a ridiculous degree versus the bad losses. Because if you looked at, yeah. let's say, Arizona State, for example, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, 
obviously that that Wake Forest game is bad. We know that. It hurt, but it was on the road. We were down a player, a pretty yep. important player, as it turned out. <laughs> Very. Um, but I mean, if you just look at what Arizona State has done this year, setting aside the fact that they played in the Pac-12, which afforded basically no good wins anyway. Right. Um, Pac-12 is garbage. Just complete trash. Like the, for one thing, which is funny, they they lost by 16 to to Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> on, so on the road. Um, they got smoked by 21 points at home by Washington State, which is 200, 209th in the Pomeroy ratings. That's like 30. <laughs> that's like 30 spots below Wake Forest. That's horrible. They also lost by a point at home to Princeton, which is ranked pretty much in the exact same place as Wake Forest in the Pomeroy ratings. So there you have three losses that pretty demonstrably show uh, that Arizona State may not be as good as NC State, may not, maybe not even close. Oh, but. Yeah. Here they have a win over Mississippi State. They have a win over Utah State. They have a win over Kansas. For some reason, everyone in the in the in the room feels like Kansas is still like a, a number one seed. I guess for some reason. Yeah. In their Kansas, minds, Kansas they, is not a great team this year. It's not <laughs> clearly. If they're losing they're games not. to Arizona State, then they're not that good. Uh, yeah, that's that's not even a top twenty team according to the Pomeroy ratings. But see, and those, uh, but that's just a, an example of where I don't understand the weights. Like why why is the Utah State and Mississippi State games? Why are those things? seemingly like three or four times more important than losing at home by 20 points to the worst team in the power conferences like that right yeah it's just it's that sort of thing i don't i don't understand where they come from with with how they weight things it's it's like they reward you far too much for theoretically scheduling aggressively in the non-conference and also delivering on some of those wins whether or not they're really great wins or not um right i mean Hey, give them credit. Uh, those are good wins without question, but it's just some of the inconsistency there. And then the, the particular thing with the net that that's frustrating to me is that it's 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 not perfect without question. I mean, but the fact that it kind of aligns pretty closely with the Pomeroy ratings, I think, tells you that they're on the right track with this thing. It's pretty it's pretty effective in terms of evaluating the overall quality of a team. Mm-hmm. Whereas the RPI was just a bunch of trash, garbage in, garbage out with your opponents, 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 win percentage that was absolutely right. useless. Yep. This is factoring in all kinds of different things, including, like you mentioned, as, as WO has mentioned, uh, the schedule strength is factored in, as it is in the Pomeroy ratings. Everything, every single outcome is adjusted by, by the strength of your opponent. So that is built in to your overall rating. Mm-hmm. And that's accounted for. It's there. Um, efficiency margin, uh, scoring margin, uh, all that stuff. So that's it's a it's a really solid actually evaluator of the overall quality of teams. So that's it's annoying to me to see all these old guys in, get in this room and, l- and basically look at this and say, oh, it's just like the RPI. We're going to use it the exact same way as the RPI. When these are two very very different tools, the net is is more of a predictive tool. It's definitely a better tool in terms of a power rating if you want to consider it like a power rating system the the rpi was i think i think partly too is is more recently with as the flaws in the rpi were more and more laid out and exposed i think the people on the committee kind of got used to 
kind of marginalizing a little bit more and more as the years went on, which is fine. That that's actually yeah. what they should. That should have been the proper approach. But now, now it's absolutely the wrong approach to be doing that with the net because the net is ex- is much more accurate in terms of how it evaluates teams on paper. So to just throw it away or dispense with it or find whatever bone you want to pick with it, as you would with the RPI, is just silliness to me. And it's, I mean, it's just all right there built in. You don't really have to overthink this that much. There's not really that much that you have to go beyond and look at. So it's just, it makes me angry. St. John's is like 73rd in the Pomeroy ratings or 73rd right. and 70-something yeah. in the net. Like, that's clearly not an NCAA-caliber team. I don't care no. if they've beaten Marquette a couple of times. That's great. That's fantastic. Great job. They're just... The performance, underlying performance, the, the big picture is just tells you that's that's an NIT team right there. Yes. Um, so it... Um, anyway, those also happen to be... Arizona State and St. John's happen to be the two... Uh, first four teams squaring off here Wednesday night as we record. I will be hate-watching very, very strongly in both directions. Absolutely. <laughs> Wish they could both lose, but nothing we can nothing we can do about that. Um, so that's just among the frustrations that I've been, that I've been going through my mind the last few days. But with that said, you know, I mean, I, certainly there are obvious shortcomings that we can look at and say, Sure. And so you say it could have done more for itself, obviously. That you're not in this position if that's not the case. So Yep. Um I just was confused, a little bit disoriented and surprised by how the committee kind of either applied the net somewhat strictly in some cases and just kind of seemed to ignore it totally in others. Um but um I guess that's just always gonna have to be the way you deal with it. There's just always going to be those whims at the at the back end, and the only thing you can do is just win more games and uh, schedule a little bit better, and not leave it up to the to the brain geniuses here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you said, there were there's some missed opportunities, and you know, certainly it's a lesson going forward to limit the number of games you play against teams that are generally not very good. Um, you know, I, th- I think certainly there have been some efforts in the past to increase the exposure of who states playing, but you know these things get planned years in advance, and it's hard to account for you know a team that you schedule five, six, seven years from now when they're good now, then seven years later they stink. You know, it's just one of those things. It's not easy and. The best you can do is is what state did last year, which was you know they they saw Penn State firsthand. Penn State came to Raleigh yep. for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and they were tough. They were pretty darn good that year. They won the NIT last season, uh, so they said, "Hey, mm-hmm. let's go." Uh, that's another winnable game. Let's go get those guys on the on the schedule next year and play them at a neutral site, and hopefully that should be another solid win for us. And you know that was solid thinking. It it made sense. It, it did. Penn State ended up still. Penn State did end up being you know in the top fifty of the net ratings there at the tail end after a decent rally to their season. But again, right. they finished with a bad, with a losing record. Um, started out zero and ten, zero and eleven in Big Ten play. None of which I don't think anybody saw coming. So that's just that's just one example. There's there's many of how there was some bad luck with the scheduling this year. So it goes. Um, it just, you know, we've 
we've played with the we've played with fire on the bubble here quite a few times in this in the last 10 15 years and we've ended up on the right side every single time except before this season so yeah you know, i guess this I guess this was bound to happen eventually you keep playing with keep playing with the razor's edge here yeah get- we we definitely have been living on the edge for a long time and it you know law averages were gonna go against nc state at some point yeah it, I mean, it, it was a completely blah resume when you look at it from a strict wins perspective i understand that totally yep um, you know, like we've talked about, like our frustration just stems from the fact that they weren't. I, I didn't feel like they were consistent in applying the net to how, you know, or I should say they weren't clear on how the net was going to be used, and they, you know, weren't super transparent about that. Really, wasn't going to be the be all end all, even though they said it was. And it's just frustrating when there are teams that got in that I felt like had equally as poor or poorer resumes get in ahead of state. Right, right. That's that's really what it what it boils down to. And and they've got to figure this out because this is a pretty good tool, as I was saying. Like this has actually worked out surprisingly mm-hmm. better than I kind of thought it was going to be. I know. That People kind of chuckled early on in the year when the when there was so such little sample, you know, the the things were kind of skewed. And NC State, of course, started out the year in like the top ten or whatever because of the scoring margin, basically. But uh, it really did kind of smooth yes. out once we got into February, and it looked pretty pretty, you know, believable standard. You know, kind of reflected what what my eyes were telling me basically this season. So I, th- I just feel like they need to hopefully understand better the nature of this metric versus what the RPI was and wasn't that um, there are fewer holes with the net a lot fewer holes and they should be giving it a more significant weight moving forward and I would hopefully I would I'd like to think I'd be saying that whether NC State were on the more beneficial side of this or on the other side of it um, it's just it's a pretty solid metric they they should really you know, start to use it. They paid a lot of money to make it, so yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> if you're gonna pay all that money for it, you better damn well use it. Don't just flush it down the drain. No. So anyway, of course we uh, it quickly transition to the always thrilling uh, national invitation tournament selection show on Sunday night. It was the most highly rated selection show of the day. Of course, <laughs> that's probably not true, but. Uh, it's and, sort of true. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but we learned that NC State was a two seed and got to host a game. I guess the silver lining here is that NC State is playing home games in Reynolds Coliseum here in March. That's certainly not something we're used to. And uh, it was a sellout crowd Tuesday night, and the pack is on to the second round of the NIT after taking care of business against the mighty Hofstra Pride. Yeah, that was... Uh... A solid performance. Uh, I felt like it was it was great to see Bryce have a game where he kind of broke out of the slump that had been bothering him. Markel was great as always. Um, I think I think we can all agree Beverly is still kind of figuring things out, and that's you know, you know something's got to be done in the off season to help fix his shot because it's kind of broken right now. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a entertaining game for sure, and 
you know, for those that that watched the game on TV, it was noticeably loud, but uh, just from being in Reynolds, which was really great to see. Um, you know, is it dis- is it disappointing that states in the NIT? Yes, but to have a game in Reynolds and a crowd like that show up and be rowdy like that for the entire game was really, really awesome. Yeah, you know, it's it's making the best of things, basically. Everybody, it was a nice excuse to get everybody out for old time's sake and play a tournament game. At least it had some meaningfulness to it rather than, you know, playing some directional school in the early December there. <laughs> exactly. So there was that. It was, so it was fun. Uh, and, you know, the, it's a pretty, pretty an entertaining team, actually, Hofstra. Their, their offense is, is pretty solid in general. Yep. Of course, it would be hard not to be with uh, Justin Wright Foreman, who is a legit uh, pro player for sure. Yeah. That guy's uh, fantastic. He was phenomenal uh, towards the end of the game when he hit that uh, three in transition. I was just kind of like, good gracious, is anyone going to be able to stop this guy? Uh, and. You know, certainly he has the talent to play at the next level, no doubt. Yeah, he makes scoring 20-plus points kind of reminded me of T.J. Warren in that sense. It's just, mm-hmm. he just The buckets just pile up. It just it seems almost effortless with that guy. Um, averaging 27 points per game, I don't care what league you play in, that's pretty damn good. And then dude can shoot it from all over the place, and he, he certainly yep. put that on display last night. Uh, Fortunately, State had Markel Johnson, who was not going to be denied. Markel hit a couple of big-time shots in the last 90 seconds to keep Hofstra at arm's length and ultimately put them away there in the end, so that was nice. He had a, It was really a, a pretty great duel between the two guys, actually, it, last night. It was, definitely. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Dorn as well, who had... Uh, a really solid offensive performance as well. Uh, this is one kind of one of the first games in a significant like amount of time where the guards that started the game like drastically outperformed the bench. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, which was which was interesting, but uh, yeah, like like you said, Markell was fantastic. He you know hit three threes, um, went. Over 50% shooting for the field, went five or six of the line, at 26 points in 26 minutes. That's pretty damn efficient. Yeah, if he hadn't spent time in foul trouble all night, he yep. could have had a really big time game. But as it was, it was it was enough, and we'll absolutely take it. And also a shout to C.J. Bryce for somehow accounting for eight offensive rebounds by himself on Tuesday night. I do not know how that happened exactly. I mean, I know. Hofstra's not the biggest team in the world, but still, that's pretty incredible for, for a wing player like that. But it, I guess. It's it's very incredible when you also consider the fact that as a team, Hofstra had uh, nine offensive rebounds total. Yeah. So that's that's a phenomenal performance, and it was certainly a big reason why State was able to win the game because they got so many more extra chances. Uh, I mean, they, State had ten more shot attempts than. Uh, Hofstra did, and they made uh, six more shots than Hofstra did. So it was that was the difference right there for sure. Always makes a difference without a question to get those offensive rebounds, get those second chances, and that was one of the glaring weaknesses of which there were many 
for Hofstra on the defensive mm-hmm. end this coming into this game. They just really did not rebound very well at defense at the defensive end because of their lack of height. And that was very much on display along with everything else, like their general zonishness that left the middle area of the floor kind of unpatrolled at all. Mm-hmm. If, if Jim Beheim watched that game last night, he probably wouldn't be alive today. Just, <laughs> his, his head would have exploded by now. Just how wide open everything in the middle was against that zone defense. Don't really know what they were trying to do, but it was very reminiscent of my intramural intramural college career. Uh, when we when we would try to play 2-3 zone, it looked a lot like that, where we didn't, weren't really sure where we were supposed to be at any given point, so there was just yeah. a bunch of easy, easy shots that are wide open in the middle all the time. Anyway, good to be moving on. Uh, NC State will be back in Reynolds on Sunday. It's going to be another packed house, judging by the ticket demand. Yep. That's bad. Yep. And uh, it will be Harvard to bring it on, Ivy League. Harvard beat Georgia Town on Wednesday night, so it'll be uh, that game for the opportunity to move on to the round of eight. I guess you can't you can't call it the Elite Eight in the NIT, right? It's it's you just can't the, call it that. The Electric Eight, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Un- uh, well, the Unplugged Eight. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we weren't that we're not going to get the. The Amir Yurt Seven non revenge game because he's not playing anyway and probably wouldn't have traveled with the team. Yeah, uh, but that would have, of course, been a storyline uh, going into that because that's where he transferred. So uh, that would have been a, a fun talking point for this game, no doubt. Wouldn't it? Yeah. If, <laughs> if, if by fun you mean tooth pullingly painful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad we. I'm, I'm not sorry to be missing out on those. Uh, media coverage angles over the next few days so that's that's fine by me indeed selfishly that was another reason i was pulling for harvard not simply because they're the worst of the two teams but just uh didn't really want to step back into that hole hey it's omir there he goes he's gone you know yep yep didn't need it we've we've gone enough the transfer stuff it's i've had had enough of that with the martin twins you know don't don't need to think be doing the what would have been type of thing exactly don't need that stuff all right. Anyway, uh, this packs two wins away from potentially going to the final. F- nope. Sorry, I can't call it the final four either. Darn, this the, is difficult. The fun four. <laughs> it's like it's like the off-brand cereal item. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's it's definitely the like store-bought cereal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The NIT baby, gotta love it. All right, and. Uh, while we're in the spirit of yelling about things, Will, um, we, along with basically everyone else on NC State Twitter on Tuesday, got slightly perturbed, oh, one might say, about a piece from the Duke basketball report that was just seemingly out of left field. And folks, if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, congratulations. Yeah, but, consider yourselves lucky that you didn't see this on Tuesday because it was, I'll be honest, was like pretty infuriating because of how just poorly informed and really poorly written it was. Oh, gosh. The guys, you know, I, I can only skim his posts on the rare occasions I do read them because he has such a struggle with the pros. It, it makes my it's head not good. It, it's not it's good. It's not good. It's not good. Anyway. Uh, the, the, it, t- the title of this here post was 
uh, NC State fans need to give Kevin Keats a chance. And the, <laughs> the, and this, the second line there is, it's only his second year, for God's sake. Like, like he's outraged that there's some sort of giant a group of us with our pitchforks in, out already on yeah. Keats. Like, what, where, huh? Yeah, I, I, I have zero idea where this is coming from. Like, absolutely none. It's not like the days of the Wolf Web and Pack Pride when state fans were all upset about Lee Fowler and Herb Sendek. Like, that's, that's not happening here. None of that is happening at all. And it's just, it's curious what, where he's like, getting all this information from or if he's just like seen one twitter post from like ncsu fans like eight nine seven two on twitter who says (laughs) maybe we should go on a different direction yeah right (laughs) but it's like first of all one of uh, a low-key funny point for this for me is if if you're using Google Chrome and you hover over the tab, the tooltip says NC State fans are being a big harsh on Kevin Keats. Maybe wow. proofread first. But second, I just want to like get into this where he opens up by saying the enduring memory of NC State won't be this and it hyperlinks to the first will probably be this which hyperlinks to the unfortunate performance against Virginia Tech and that's too bad state fans have gotten so used to losing and to what they've taken to calling NC State stuff the they can't remember or never knew what winning is like Uh, uh, I, I have a lot of say about that sentence but i'm just gonna i'm gonna move on (laughs) opens the next paragraph that lasts one line says well here's a good primer pack fan so pay attention and i'm gonna stop there because nothing after that is a good primer it's it just what is the point of any of this that this guy's written Uh, it's just uh i i don't I don't know what inspires someone over at Duke Basketball Report to Rice State just out of the blue when they've got you know, plenty of things that Zion and uh, they're a number one overall seed in the tournament and they're probably going to win the whole thing. Like, like, why are you concerned with us, buddy? It's, it's yeah, the timing is weird too. I mean, it's uh, and then the whole very condescending tone there which you kind of touched on with the whole oh, yeah. uh, here's a good primer fellas listen up and I'll explain how everything went poorly like we weren't been pay- like we haven't been paying attention the last three or four years like none of us watched the team or aware of any of the circumstances and uh, so yeah this was all brand new to us thanks for explaining this to us Mr. Duke genius man we appreciate that we can't possibly be you know bothered to know the names or, or heights of anyone on the team or how they got here or how the team finished in yeah. Godfrey's last two years. Like, no one knew any of these things. It says, thank you for bringing all of this to light. Very important to know. Great context. Fantastic. I agree. We should definitely... I'm changing my mind. I was ready to throw a brick through Kevin Keats's front window. But now, I've changed my mind. I'm going to give him a chance. Just going to let this thing go into year three. But, 
If, if we look like we're in IT bound one more time, damn it, I'm going to tell you what. Man, this is just... Like, I, the, the frust... The, I think the most frustrating part about this and really kind of the grossest part of this was the fact that, that Omer Yurt 7 transferred because NC State, it's just like that. that is so off base it's it's I, I can't even comprehend that it's like if, if you want to take what was written in that Georgetown piece that talked about he was uncomfortable with some things and translate that to NC State fans are that's an enormous job. Yeah, the, the the implication is just it's just lazy. It's it's just sloppy nonsense. It's the idea here is that there was some sort of underlying bigotry, whether that was religious or, or racial, underlying the the. the Omir's experience here very well could have been true, but there is no evidence whatsoever that that actually stemmed from the fan base itself, nor is there any indication or suggestion of that right. from, the, from the particular uh, piece in the Georgetown student paper that talked about that, where your seven said, you know, there were some events, he was vague about this, in Raleigh while he was here that mm-hmm. made him uncomfortable. That's understandable. Yeah, there were some significantly frightening things that happened. Uh, in this part of the country, yes, uh, with some of that stuff. So I, you know, I get that. Uh, there's no mention whatsoever of the fan base. So it's just a weird kind of almost throwaway part there that has nothing to do with anything. About yep. It. He never said a word about state fans being bigoted, um, which my man here from Duke just decided to go ahead and toss that out there. Anyway, maybe we're projecting a little bit here. Who knows? Um, the the thought process is also scattershot. It's hard to figure out exactly what what's going on here, but yeah, that's without question. That's just the general overall tone of such a a very stupid, poorly written piece being so condescending is just hilarious. Yep. Um, so it's hard for me to stay too angry about this for too long, but it's just. <laughs> um, it's just stupid. <laughs> yes, it's it's incredibly dumb. It's it's just hilarious that someone. I'm just trying to picture myself writing something about this, like oh, Wake Forest. You know this this new guy you've gotten after Danny <laughs> yeah. Manning. I'm gonna write one in December about whoever Wake Forest new coaches after they lose a game in December. And figure out. Then I'm just gonna list all the names of the guys on their roster and how tall they are, and that will be my argument, basically. And I will match the the insight that came out of this post here on DBR. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's like uh, I don't I don't know what inspired this guy to write this, but man, he should he should probably think twice about writing about NC State again. Well, I hope they had a fun time getting ratioed on Twitter there on Tuesday. Was, <laughs> Ooh, buddy! Uh, if they yeah, the last. Check that thing. I don't know if they. I, I they may not. The last time I looked at it, it was sitting at ninety replies, zero retweets, and six favorites. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So yeah, that's that sounds like stat a stat line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think those guys are too big for the social media, but who knows? I'm sure they sure they got the message at some point, but whether they care or not, I don't know. Anyway, this is the most I have thought about a Duke anything in a long, long time. So, and now I feel. 
all the worse for it. Thanks very much, guy. Um, be rooting as much as I like Zion. This guy's erasing all the good, all the goodwill <laughs> that I had for that team going into this thing. So uh, may their destruction be swift and painful. <laughs> as for us, we're going to actually focus on the team we we cover and care about moving forward, which is the uh, typical practice with these things. Um, even though we don't have a super important tournament game to play coming up. But uh, anyway, um, we will head on into the next round of the NIT, and uh, well, I suppose I'll shut it on down here before we find anything else to yell at, like to some clouds or <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure we could think of something. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, there's, there's more <laughs> basketball ahead, so we'll, we'll find something, I'm sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening as always, and uh, we will see you next time.